7.8 billion people. Have you ever wondered how you can possibly make a meaningful difference? Jesus answers that question in describing his kingdom. He says that the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who plants seed and he goes to sleep and he awakens and the seed has grown into a harvest. He doesn't quite know how. It's like a mustard seed. It begins so small and yet it grows exponentially into something so great that it provides food and shelter even for the animals of the air. And then he says finally that the kingdom of heaven is like a lady who puts a measure of leaven into three measures of bread. She actually hides it there and works it in and before you know it, that yeast has done its work. Well, the kingdom is rising. You and I, just like those little grains of mustard seed, like the, like the grains of yeast, like the seed that's in the ground, it may not appear to the five senses that we ordinarily use that we're making a tremendous impact, but trust me, friend, if you're involved in kingdom work, Christ is using you. Let's get into it. Thank you for joining us at Arlington United. We're continuing in our study today about the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. Another parable spake Jesus to them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. A woman hid it in three measures of meal until the whole was leavened. Today, the Spirit to speak to us on this topic, kingdom rising, kingdom rising. Lord, we love you. We are thankful to be part of your kingdom. It is a distinct and a rare privilege that really is beyond words. And so I'm asking you at this moment in a supernatural way to ennoble and enable my words to convey your word of the truth of how precious it is to belong to your body, how wonderful it is to bring your works to this world, and how amazing it is to share in your glory on this earth. When we leave this message, let us leave encouraged, let us leave emboldened, and let us leave empowered by your presence. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Kingdom requires four elements. We've gone over this. You guys know it. A kingdom requires a king. Got to have a king to have a kingdom. But it's not just a, a king without a people. Is uh, needs an antipsychotic. Uh, uh, in order to really be a king, you you got to have a people, right? And so there are a lot of people that think they're kings, but they they don't have a kingdom because they don't have people. We are valuable to God. Because the church, God has chosen to validate his kingship through us. He's unlike any other king. Every king in the history of nobility has always wanted to surround himself with the greatest and the brightest. Um, the Renaissance and the medieval times are filled with stories of how kings would uh, be a patron for the arts or a patron for builders or they would build great works to show their 
glory of their court, and they would they want poets and songwriters and musicians around them and architects to make people think they were great. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Brother Jim, that God has not chosen the noble things of the world. He's not chosen the wise things of the world. He's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He's chosen the weak things of the world to confound the strong. Can I say it this way without insulting you? The fact that you're chosen by God doesn't mean that you were so special. It means that He is so great that He can take you and He can take me and show forth His glory and His power and His honor even through our weakness. I think that's an encouraging message today. You and I have a place in the kingdom of God. Isn't it awesome to realize that the King of kings and the Lord of lords wants to use you? He not only wants to save us, He wants to use us. I guess He would be a wonderful Savior if He saved us, and that is not to be minimized, but He's even greater than that. Not only does He save us, He uses us for His glory. A king, a people, a place. A place. Christianity does not happen in a vacuum. Christianity is a localized enterprise. Christianity happens in your home. It happens around your table. It happens in the coffee room at work. It happens in your educational space. It happens at the gas station. It happens on the way to work. And it happens on the way to the church. The scandal of the story of the Good Samaritan is that the religious Levite and the religious priest didn't understand this. They thought that in order to contextualize their religious experience, they needed to be in so-called sacred space. And they passed by the one who was wounded on the way to their worship. But Christianity teaches us that we don't pass by anybody because every moment is a God moment. And every place is a God place. We serve a king. We are the people. The place for his rule is everywhere. It is everywhere. And finally, there's a reign. A king, a people, a place, and a reign. Let me assure you that whatever you're facing this week, whatever circumstance that you're in, the reigning power in your life is not darkness. Because the Bible teaches us as Christians that we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His own dear Son. If you have taken on the name of Jesus in your life, if you have pledged your fealty and your loyalty to Him, if you are indeed a citizen and a joint heir with Christ in this kingdom, then Satan's power does not rule in your life. Even if you're sick and weak, health and strength is your norm. Even if you're scared or you're lonely, it is not your norm to be scared and lonely, but having peace and having fellowship is your norm because your true citizenship is a citizenship of the king. Aren't you thankful that sovereignty and not circumstance determines our reality? It is God's sovereignty and not our human circumstance that determines our reality. Now, I'm not talking about wishful thinking. I'm not talking about the power of positive projection. I'm not talking about ignoring problems and being a Pollyanna and going through life with blinders on. I'm talking about understanding the foundational reality that He is Lord, we are not, and He will see us through any circumstance. John the Baptist, Matthew 3 and 2, it said, The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at coming. And Jesus said in Matthew 4 and 17, The kingdom of heaven is 
here, it is at hand. And we said throughout the Gospels, the kingdom is mentioned over and over and over and over. It is the most underemphasized reality of the Gospel and Christian preaching today, vis-a-vis the commonality of the kingdom of God that is found in the Scripture. If you examine the Gospels, it's shot straight through with kingdom language. It's what Jesus preached about. And yet we don't spend a whole lot of time speaking of it. And so to right that wrong, here we are today speaking of the kingdom of God as Jesus did. His message, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension would tie all the elements of the coming kingdom together and inaugurate the rule of God on earth forever. Let me again emphasize strongly, when Jesus comes to establish his reign on earth, it will not be the beginning of his rule. His rule has begun now. When you take your last breath and you step into glory to be in the presence of God, your eternal life will not begin then. Your eternal life has already begun if you are in Christ. We are living in a forward-facing reality of what Jesus has done through his resurrection. And his power is empowering each of us. And we are bringing the kingdom of God to earth as he transforms us, so he is transforming the world. Jeffrey, you are designed to be, as it were, pardon the reference, an infectious agent. You are to be transformed yourself, but you also transform everyone around you. The kingdom of darkness is suffering today because the kingdom of light is advancing. The glory of God is being made manifest in his people, and we are changing the world around us. Now, wait a minute. I looked at Facebook last night, Brother Jackson, and it's not quite that way. I, I, I got into an argument with my neighbor. Have you seen Fox News lately? Have you turned on MSNBC? God's not winning. Well, a few things. The kingdom of darkness is oppressive. But the problem with being Satan is that evil doesn't last. The problem with being the enemy of the cross is that even bad things get turned into good for the children of God when it is subjected to the redemption that is in Christ. Satan doesn't have a balance. Dark and light are not in balance in this earth. We are not dualists. The scales are not even. There's, not, there's no contest between light and darkness. Read John chapter 1. The light shined in darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. Do not allow your good to be overcome with evil, Jesus said, but overcome evil with good. Mary, one prayer at your weakest moment can change your family, your neighborhood, your workplace, your relationships, your health. All we have to do is turn our world into his world through yielding to his sovereignty and things change. How many believe the kingdom of God is advancing? I, I know, I know, I know that when we look at the news, we don't see everything that we'd like to see. I'd like to see poverty end. I'd like to see racism destroyed. I'd like to see child abuse not be a topic or an issue that we ever had to be concerned about. I'd like to see communities living in harmony and love. I'd like to see people not bullied anymore. I'd like to see body shaming stop. I'd like to see people stop being... Um, uh, 
full of hubris and pride toward those that don't have what they have. I'd like to see people be less xenophobic and scared of those that are not like them. I'd like to see people obey the principles of the Word of God. There are a lot of things I'd like to see in the world around me. But I stand here today in confidence that although I may not see it completely with my human eyes, a change has begun in the world. And at the first moment that Mary felt a flicker in her abdomen and said, Joseph, it's real. It wasn't just dreams that we had. There's something inside of me that didn't come from you and it didn't come from me. It came from the Holy Spirit. The moment that the incarnation was afoot, this world has been changed forevermore. And you and I have been swept up into a tidal wave of change. This world will never be the same because of who Jesus Christ was, who Jesus Christ is, and who He is going to be. He is the Lord of Lords. I just feel like giving him praise today. I just feel like lifting up his name today. I feel like glorifying him today for the king that he is. We've been translated from one kingdom into another. The thing about a translation is it doesn't happen at normal speed and normal time. You start in one place and an instant later you're in another. And sometimes because we're translated, we don't quite get that in our own world. What does it mean that I'm in the kingdom of his dear son? What it means is the fruit of the Spirit begins to grow in you. It means that at some point the pleasures of sin are not as pleasurable and the season that they last is not as long. It means that at some point that's just the way I am gets changed into that's just what He would ask me to do. It, 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 it means that at some point we begin to look like Jesus, respond like Jesus, sound like Jesus, and even think like Jesus. And yes, we listen like Jesus. Because it is the Father's good pleasure to give the kingdom to us. Now that doesn't mean that I've got a key and I can go out and just put it in the door of a Lamborghini and drive away. It's not that kind of kingdom. It's not meat and drink, Paul said, but it is what Romans 14 and 17 says. It is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. As Jesus gives me the kingdom, I become more of an ambassador for Him and less of a, a, a made-up prince, less about me and more about him she loved here's what jesus said about the kingdom he said it's like a sower who sows his seed and the seed grows mark 4 and 26 he actually says that the sower sows the seed and then it's almost like he forgets about it he he goes to sleep and he wakes up and he says aha here's a crop now, I know that anybody who's a professional farmer would read the Scripture and say, there's a lot between sowing the seed and a crop coming into the barn. But the truth is, you and I can no more make anything grow than we, just, than we can jump a thousand feet with our own legs. We can't do it. We can plant it. We can water it. But we don't have the power of creative life within us. 
It is reliant upon the power of creation that God placed in the DNA of that seed. Can I tell you, you are not responsible for the growth of the kingdom of God. But you are responsible for planting the seed of God's truth into every arena in your life. You need to plant God's truth in your family. You need to plant God's truth in your mind. You need to plant God's truth in your mouth. You need to plant God's truth in your workplace. You need to plant God's truth into conflicts that you have. You need to plant God's truth into every relationship. School board meeting, anyone? Been reading a lot about those lately? What if we just took God's truth to that? And that's not necessarily reading the Ten Commandments. It's showing the truth of God's love to everyone around us. What if your neighborhood was changed because of the love of God? You plant. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 31 and 32, it's like a grain of a mustard seed. A, a, a tiny seed. And yet, Jesus said it grows into a great tree and the fowls of the air can come and find shelter there. What is the lesson of this parable? The kingdom experiences exponential growth. When Benny stepped off of that plane from Nova Scotia or Newfoundland, the, the maritime provinces of all places, and it was 98 degrees and 96% humidity, and there was no air conditioning to be found in the city. They ran a gasoline tank to, to, to run their washer and their dryer. Well, they didn't have a dryer. They had a washer. When they stepped off of there and there was nobody there, it must have seemed the height of foolishness to be planting seeds for the kingdom of God. How dumb are you, Benny, to give up your life and your livelihood and you're going to fly a float plane on a 1,200-mile river? You'll never reach them all. He found there were some villages that he would see as he's flying over and he couldn't get to them. And so he got little baggies Little plastic bags. I don't even know if they had Ziplocs then. He would take them and he'd make one of those rooster tail flies, Harrison. And he put a little card in it. And it had some fishing wire in it. And they could hand strip that fishing wire and fly fish for peacock bass. And he told them how to do that in Portuguese. Left a number on there. Said, if you ever have a spiritual need, you call the United Pentecostal Church of Brazil. And wherever you are, we'll get somebody to you and tell you where church is. And when he couldn't reach people, he'd fly over and he'd put a little bit of ballast in there, a little rock, and he'd chunk that out of his airplane as he was flying. That's the height of stupidity if you're working by man's reasoning. But if you're in God's kingdom and you're planting mustard seeds, it's the height of wisdom because the kingdom grows exponentially for years and years and years people would walk out of the jungle into an apostolic service while the music was playing and they'd find an usher and they'd say, I'm looking for the fisherman. Because Benny was sowing seed and the kingdom grows. You have no idea what is happening when the gospel comes out of your mouth. And the gospel doesn't have to be a 12-lesson Bible study. The gospel can be... I love you, I see you're struggling, and I want to pray for you. 
The gospel can be, yeah, Fridays are, are, are great, but Mondays are tough on all of us, but we'll get through it. God knows what He's doing, and He put us here. The gospel can be just a flag that you plant in a conversation that gives glory and honor to God. The gospel may be keeping your mouth shut when everybody else has hatred on their lips, but you have peace in your heart and you're bringing the presence of God to a situation. I'm telling you that chunking bags out of airplanes works because God is behind it. I'm telling you that praying for people works because God is behind it. I'm telling you that praying for your neighborhood, praying for your workplace, praying for your family, loving people works because it grows exponentially. Our core text today, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who hides. It's so dumb to me. Why would you hide the gospel? But she hid the measure of leaven in the bread. Three measures. Three measures. One commentator said it was 60 pounds. Now, I don't know who she's feeding. She's making 60 pounds of bread dough. My God. Harrison's coming over. <laughs> Seen him eat. Curly hair doesn't grow by itself. Or Aaron's coming home from Columbus. That guy arrives. You better have more than one tray ready. 60 pounds of dough. And just taking a little bit of yeast. I asked an expert this week, two of them. Ask them, how much yeast does it take to make a loaf of bread? And they told me this much. Then I went to Kroger and I brought yeast and it was individually packaged and guess what? It was this much. So I could have saved y'all a text. But it said this much yeast will make bread rise. And it's hidden. See, that's the problem, Scott. The kingdom of God doesn't work like Big Brown. It doesn't work like FedEx. Sorry to say a dirty word. <laughs> the kingdom of God doesn't work like, like, like Amazon. It doesn't work like Walmart. The kingdom of God doesn't work according to your rationality and my rationality. The kingdom of God works where we let His power loose and He does the work. It's hidden, but the kingdom rises. The kingdom advances. The Bible says, don't despise this small beginning, Zechariah 4 and 10, because God is pleased that the work has begun. And God is pleased that the plumb line is in the hand of Zerubbabel. Let me unpack it for you. We get happy, Preston, when the job is done. I got sick of working on this church too sometimes. And I was excited about it. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed, my job description is to be excited about it. But I get tired and sweaty and sheetrock itches me too. And insulation especially. We get excited when a job is done and we can go, whoo, the second coat is done. The cut-in's done. God gets excited when things begin because He sees the end from the beginning. And He said He was happy to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. God is happy when the kingdom work has a human name attached to it. He made the butterfly galaxy all by Himself by speaking a word. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need any of us. But He is pleased when the work of God is involved in the hand of Preston, Harrison, Jeffrey, Jay, Jay, Mary, Sheila, others. When God's work has a name on it, He gets happy because He enjoys spreading His kingdom values and authority 
true human people. Let me show you a few things about our church because right now, I don't know, counting Zoom, we may be over the 20 mark, but we're not 500. We're not 5,000. We're not a mega church. We're a micro church. I want to show you a few things. I want to show you a few things. This year, Brother Mark, if you can bring up that slide on small things. This year, 97 new homes already have received a welcome package with a letter, two cups of coffee, two coffee mugs, and 12 ounces of coffee. I believe in coffee. I love it. Scott agrees with me. Mark doesn't so much, but he tolerates it. But I'm going to tell you something. Don't ask me how God's going to use a letter and two coffee mugs and 12 ounces of coffee to put a marriage back together. But I'll prophesy to you, if we can get enough people in town knowing that there's somebody that will pray for their family, somebody in crisis is going to call the church number. Somebody's going to come by. Somebody's going to email us. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I'm hiding leaven inside loaves of bread. I'm hiding the kingdom of God. And you're hiding the kingdom of God. When you stain those ever-loving crates that we bought, there's thousands of them, it seems. Before the year's out, 175 of them will go to every new plant family that moves into our community. I promise you next year we'll do something easier. But for this year, they're getting a crate. It's a small thing, but God is in it. We say, well, there's 4,500 homes in Arlington. You've only reached 100 of them. It'll take you, even if you do 170, it's going to take you 25 years to get to every house. We've already been there. Remember the Brittany Scott concert? Come and gone. No big deal. Just a few people acting crazy on the square, praising Jesus, and some of them cried, some of them laughed, and a few of them jumped around a little bit, and it was a cool groove with the bass player. As part of that concert, every home in Arlington got a mail out, and now they know what our name is. We're not trying to build a Tower of Babel here. We're not trying to get everybody crammed in this building. We're trying to hide seed in our city so that people know where to turn if they have a need. That's what we did with the mail-out. On social media, as of two weeks ago, we had 777 followers. I just kept it because it looked like a really good number. Okay? If it had been 666, I would have waited. Okay? But we have 777 followers on social media. And that means that there are hundreds of people every time we put out godly content, every time that we try to encourage somebody, every time that we try to speak peace over our generation, there are hundreds of people that know about it. We've had over 1,300 downloads of sermons. This sermon today, later this week, will be put online for our podcast. Over 1,300 times, somebody has downloaded that to listen to the presentation of the gospel. It goes out to 17 nations. There are as many nations affected by this sermon today as there are people sitting in these rows. I'm telling you that when you sign your check and when you pray your prayer and when you come here and when you greet somebody and you love somebody and you pray for somebody and you worship the Lord, you're having an impact that's greater than what you think because the kingdom of God grows. It is rising. It is growing forward. And we don't have to be worried about whether he's going to win or whether he's going to lose. CMI campus in Columbia, Missouri. We claim, I know true life is there with Aaron, but Aaron is our guy. 
He came from the Moser clan. And we love that guy. This is last Wednesday night or Thursday night. He was preaching about the beauty of being separated as a people of God. I listened to it. You ought to listen to it on YouTube. Go find it. Now, Rebecca will tell you how awesome it is and how wonderful it is because she loves it. Mark will tell you how great and wonderful it is, and he'll probably give a few suggestions for how it could have been improved. He's a dad. We're just dads. We're just dads. We do dad things. But I'm telling you, they're proud of him, but they've got a right to be proud of him because he was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, this, this magazine cover right here, Pentecostal Periodical, Aaron wrote a, a, an article in that magazine about identity and what our identity is in Christ. It's, it's amazing. There's a, what I'm trying to show you in a very simplistic way is there's an impact beyond what you see Sunday 2.30 to 3.30. God is using people in this room to affect people all over this world. I thought I was doing good talking to David Smith because he, he was bereaved and I thought I should encourage him as a brother in Christ and, and minister to him. But I was too late because Jay had already been in his home and had been sharing the love of God with David's family. What am I telling you? That God can use a small number of people to reach out to people and to love them. I was, I was Phil and Jean's friend and met them and, and had been praying for them and talking to them and thought, man, I, I really, I'm doing good here. But Candace was already there and came up to me and said, hey, you need to pray for Phil and, 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 and for Jean. And, and they're really going through a tough time now. What am I saying? God has double coverage. He's not leaving anybody open. God has a way of using His people and His kingdom to touch our city. And if we ask Him to do it, He will do it. This year external giving. Our goal this year is to move over $6,000 completely away from this campus, completely away from this town, and to get it to that float plane in Alaska, to get it to Scott in um, uh, Boston, to get it to external ministries that have nothing to do with us. Benevolence fund for the Trimbles that are orphans now. To, to, to just give outside of our walls and our community. We're able to do that without drawing on our reserve funds because of your faithfulness. We have a percentage of our, of our income that we try to get outside the door that is of no benefit to us in any way, that's not in running this ministry, but is outside our doors because we believe that if we give to others, God will bless us, but we're not treating God as an investment fund. We're just giving because He told us to give. And because when we spread the kingdom of God and we share with our generosity, He will bless people all over this world because of our giving. Finally today, I want to share with you, this year, as of last week, 675 gospel engagements. I didn't count the fish, I just counted the loaves. Remember? It's the loaf. Okay, there's a method to the madness here. We hid the leaven in other people. 675 times this year that we know of that you've turned in a card on, you've talked to somebody that was outside this church community. You've prayed for somebody outside this church community. You've encouraged someone outside this church community. You've ministered to someone by bringing them a meal, by, by texting them or calling them, by spending time with them. 675 times already you've done that. And that's what we know about. The kingdom of God is rising. I want to encourage you today. Jana's going to come. I'm finished. But I want to encourage you to make an investment in the kingdom of God. I, yeah, if you want to bring $1,000 down here, we'll take it. Fine, whatever. But today is not about finance. Today is about you. 
It's about the message that God has entrusted you with. And I, I, inside these bags is a bunch of yeast. I don't know what you want to do with the yeast. It's an object lesson. I guess throw it in some bread and see what happens. I, I don't know. Uh, if you put some water on it, it'll, it'll grow. Harrison, you put this under your bed, see what happens next week. I don't know. Your mom had to clean it up. But there's a, there's a card. It's got five loaves on it. You find five people to minister to this week that aren't sitting here. Can you find five people that you could pray for? If you're an introvert, start to say, she's not an introvert. Jay, you're kind of introverted, are you? There you go. Jay, you don't have to go find five people and do the Dale Carnegie course with them. This is the gospel in seven simple lessons. You don't have to do that. All I'm asking you to do, Monday, pray for somebody. Tuesday, pray for somebody. If you can't bring yourself to talk to them, talk to God about them and ask God to touch them. It counts. It's gospel engagement. Now, it'd be great if you said, hey, I'm praying for you, by the way. Hey, love you. Hey, I'm rooting for you. Why don't we connect heaven to earth? That's all it takes, Jeffrey. Just being who we are. God's not asking us to walk on water. He called Peter. He didn't ask me to walk on water. Thank God. He's just asking me to go hide some leaven. He's just asking me to take something of his kingdom and bury it in somebody. When nobody's looking, when I'm, the lights aren't shining, when the stage is not there, when the music's not playing, to hide his truth in somebody's life and to watch what happens. Watch what happens. Down on this mourner's bench over here, there's about 10 packets. Over here, there's about 10 packets. I'm praying that at the end of today, there won't be any here. That somebody will just go crazy and take two or three if you see some extras there. And you'll commit. Next week, come back, turn this thing in and say, hey, I talked to some people this week. I, I tried. I talked to Susie and she said she didn't want to talk, so I just talked to the Lord about her. I talked to Betty, we had a Bible study, it's great. She's going to be at church next week. I don't know. I'm not here to guarantee results, it's not my job. I'm here to plead with you that if we will hide the kingdom, no one will be able to hide the kingdom. If we will hide the leaven, nobody will deny what grows because God has a way of causing His truth to grow exponentially. Would you stand with me today? This is an invitation today, not for salvation. It is an invitation for kingdom expansion. It's an invitation not for your needs. It's an invitation for their needs. It's an invitation not to pray for you and your needs today. It's, a, it's an invitation to pray for them. I'm going to ask you, if you will, if you feel led of the Holy Spirit, when Janice starts singing, I'm going to ask you to come forward. You can stay as distant as you want to. There's not a whole lot of sin here. But if you will, I would ask you to stay and pray. And pray about some people in your lives that you know that have needs. If you can't think of enough people, pray for God to show you some people this week that have needs. You may pass somebody at work that needs help. Maybe a neighbor that calls you that needs help this week. I promise you, if you'll pray, God will send people that have needs. And you'll be able to hide the leaven of God's truth in their heart. What an awesome thing when we get to heaven for somebody to walk up and say, do you remember that time 
it made a difference. And Sheila, you may have even forgotten because you hid it. But God knew. That's going to happen this week because of what you're going to do. What God's going to do through you. She's going to begin singing. I'm going to ask if you will to come forward and to respond, to take one of these bags and say, God, I'm going to hide your truth in somebody's heart this week in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. billion people. Have you ever wondered how you can possibly make a meaningful difference? Jesus answers that question in describing his kingdom. He says that the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who plants seed and he goes to sleep and he awakens and the seed has grown into a harvest. He doesn't quite know how. It's like a mustard seed. It begins so small, and yet it grows exponentially into something so great that it provides food and shelter, even for the animals of the air. And then he says, finally, that the kingdom of heaven is like a lady who puts a measure of leaven into three measures of bread. She actually hides it there and works it in, and before you know it, that yeast has done its work. Well, the kingdom is rising. You and I, just like those little grains of mustard seed, like the, like the grains of yeast, like the seed that's in the ground, it may not appear to the five senses that we ordinarily use that we're making a tremendous impact, but trust me, friend, if you're involved in kingdom work, Christ is using you. Let's get into it. Thank you for joining us at Arlington United.